Okay, guys, I'm re-watching Covenant, and i just making some additional observations. Uh, Billy Crudup is really good. Like, I don't know if we talked enough about how good Billy Crudup is in this role, but he's actually pretty good. A lot better than the material. I'm kind of really enjoying watching it a second time around. I'm watching it with Anna. It's not good, but it's really highly entertaining. I'm uh, actually really happy that James Franco didn't survive, because I don't want to like him in things, because he's a fucking dick. A lot of this incompetency could be explained by by Billy Crudup's like secondary role and him being so like, oh, I'm such a reluctant leader. Oh, I, I can't lead. Oh, oh <laughs> too much reluctant leader on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think you think it's a lure, like it's a trap? Of course. Like, why wouldn't they? They have all this equipment and they haven't seen that planet that's closer seven years to Earth. I know, but I think that there might have been a deflector dish because. <laughs> They're like a, a, a an experienced race, like a very like forward race of people, and they could have deflector dishes to keep people from finding them because they don't want to be found. Well, but humans have never been there. What are you talking about? I know, but for any intelligent species, that they can't find them. Just a reflector, and then a helmet. Just a reflector, and not not the not the ship, the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We just I'm over it. I need sorry. to watch it. We just passed the behave yourself with my wife moment. Uh, weird heteronormative fucking space people. Yeah, and the big liability of bringing only couples on this expedition. This episode of Alien Covenant has been brought to you by the letter C. Like, uh, I don't know what's going on. And is getting introduced to the neomorphs. They're so weird looking. It's like not the xenomorph yet, the neomorph. Oh man, such I like the neomorph though. Machines! Why would she come back? She slips on the blood too, Amy Sedaris. And, oh man, and then why did she come back and then got attacked? It's so stupid. And her leg gets stuck. Ah, no. Oh my God, this is so scary. Oh, the neomorph is so gross. A hobgoblin or whatever. What did you say, Layla? It was like a mixture of like that goblin from the goblin shark and goblin shark and what was it? Oh, baboon. It moves like a baboon. He was scared. I've never heard my wife scared before. Danny McRide. Emotional Danny McRide. Can't ever be serious even when he's being emotional. No, he's pretty good at this movie. He's actually doing a really good job. And that movie really shits the bed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thirsty for More. I, of course, am your host, Malenko. And I'm Alex. And I'm Layla. Nice to meet you. Uh, and welcome. I mean, we're... Uh, <laughs> We're reaching the end of like the actual canon series here. Yep. This is the last movie of what's considered yeah. to be. Is this considered canon? Do you guys? I mean, not for us, I guess, mm. but not for the pretentious bunch. But um, it's like official or something. It's like an official sequel. You know, whereas yeah, like sure. some of yeah. the like AVP spinoffs are, they just live in a different realm. You know, it's like a different realm of media that is catering to a different audience and trying to hit different notes. Yeah, like there's a kind of fan of these movies that doesn't care that that like it's not the same world. They're just like they want to. It's it's aliens. Aliens are in it, and that's what's most important for them. <laughs> in this in this one, we get our second blue 20th century Fox opening. Uh, and we oh, get yeah. an official, this like dumb, bad intro <laughs> that reminds us of that last bad movie. Although here, here's what I find interesting about this. 
uh, is that I find that if I just watched this movie with mm-hmm. with little connection to Prometheus, I feel like it makes me less. I don't know. I used to be like uh, when I first watched this movie. I remember being like, this movie makes me like Prometheus more. And then watching it now, I'm like, this makes me hate Prometheus even more. (laughs) And I I actually kind of not enjoyed this, but enjoyed some of the ideas. I I thought this movie was kind of cool. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm coming into this. Like I had extremely low expectations and I saw it when it came out. I just saw it the once, but I thought it was okay. It's, it's not good in terms of like aliens and whatever, but like, just it is better than Prometheus. It's better than Prometheus. It is better than Prometheus. It's not trying to do as many things as Prometheus is trying to do. And like it features like double David action, which, you know, yeah. more more of a good thing. Yeah, the the sexiest of the movies, obviously. <laughs> You've got the let me do the fingering. I'll do the fingering. And oh, other, man. you know, important lines. <laughs> and like this very like sensual flute lesson of like putting a flute in someone else's mouth and like. And then fingering them. I'll do the fingering. <laughs> yeah. And like I like Walter a lot. So like I like David. David's super interesting and like complex. And I liked Walter a lot too. Honestly, I really liked Walter's accent. Actually, I hated Walter's accent. I hated it so much because it no. sounds kind of like he has marbles in his mouth. Down the wrong pipe. I've got your back. But why does Walter have more of an accent than David he does? does? He does. <laughs> because Michael Fassbender is can't like... Can't do actually, American accents? Yeah. Well, like, he, I think he can. I, I can't, like, recall off the top of my head when he last did one. Um, but I feel like this is his take on, like, you know, a Midwestern accent or something. It's, yeah, it's a certain sure. kind of American accent. and Well, a Midwestern accent is kind of like the remnants of a Scandinavian accent, right? That's true. So, that's right. interesting, actually. They're related. It, it's funny true, that you yeah. say that it's the movie's not doing uh, like as much. I think you're right. It is. We, we should all just be talking like Walter in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh, we, maybe we should all just put marbles in our mouths. I got to score some steroids. Um, but uh, he, he uh, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, that, and you're right. I think that the movie isn't doing as much, uh, but it is trying to do too much expanding on things from Prometheus. Like it, it does. I, I just kind of wish it was more, even more focused because it still has, it's still oh, yeah. sort of flailing in, in so many different ways where it's like, it's yeah, trying to be yes. a Prometheus sequel while being a tr- quote unquote true alien prequel. Uh, and they're trying to put in like a lot of the, the like God stuff, which was the most interesting stuff from, from the first totally. to me. Uh, but exploring it and through, the most interesting of this one, yeah, too. exactly. And but exploring the stuff with David, where it's like, hey, instead of fucking having this these seventeen crew that we have to kill right mm-hmm. away as efficiently as possible, why don't we focus on that? Like those scenes where David is just like coming to the world and being like, I'm your god now. I am a god. 
like that uh-huh. type of action. Like yeah. that could have just, I don't know. That was like the coolest shit in the movie. This movie spends a lot of time being like, what if an alien burst out of someone's back? Or what if an alien burst <laughs> totally. out of someone's mouth? Like, I don't know. What if an alien was really tiny? Like, and, yeah, and I think totally. That, I think that. <laughs> oh, man. The, the really tiny like alien. Compensating from Prometheus, right? Totally. Because there was such, totally. it was so, you know, um, it, there was no xenomorph uh, action in Prometheus until the end. And I guess people were pissed. So I feel like there was like a scramble to like, oh, oh shit. Okay. So now we need to like up the ante by adding like multiple different like proto xenomorphs or they're called neomorphs. Welcome, Neo. As you no doubt have guessed, I am Morpheus. And like, I'm not mad at like seeing different versions or like proto versions if they're interesting and scary and like you know done tastefully but it's just an excess of that and they they stack these moments of carnage and horror one after another after another you don't have to check that box 10 times in the movie you could check it once or twice and that would be like plenty effective yeah and and then you could get Catherine waterston to do a thing rather Uh, than just having her be not in the movie for most of it not have a character for most of it and then try and action her up to be like oh okay i guess the character is james franco dies at the beginning i guess that that's her character. It just like, feels so. I feel so good. I feel so numb. Yeah. Like nothing. It just feels like she, I have nothing to say about this character. Cause like, what is she? Who is she? This is the thing that I was thinking about and kind of feeling like why I don't like the prequels. Because I'm fine with like the ideas you want to explore. I'm fine with imagining. I don't know. Like I'm fine with the, the ideas that are explored through these movies, even if they were discreet from the alien universe. If it was an, a story unto itself about people trying to pursue their origins and discovering Agreed. this, you know, that could be cool. That could be cool unto itself. But I was just thinking when I think about the alien quadrilogy, I think of it like on multiple levels, like this matriarchy, you know, and the, the species itself is matriarchal. You know, you have this embodiment of wild, chaotic, um, animal, instinctual prowess, and they can only be met like the, their only true nemesis is a woman who is equally instinctual and equally capable. And you have each movie developing this sense of femme leadership, power, and the fact that you cannot exert control over nature. You cannot necessarily dominate. It always ends up being thwarted. And you have these interesting female relationships, mentorship relationships, and even the idea of Ripley as an icon, her leadership, uh, what she stands for, like the baton gets passed in a way. Or it seems that way when you have the so-called leads of Elizabeth Shaw and Daniels um, in the respective movies, Prometheus and Covenant. But the thing is that you take this powerful, mysterious, instinctual species and you kneecap its power and its magnificence and what it's emblematic of in terms of femme or matriarchal power by 
implying that it's really just a byproduct of this like father god species bioweapon and the tinkerings of a mad scientist android created also by humans and the same hubris that you're talking about from the first one there's something about that it feels to me like it kind of robs the quadrilogy and like the essence of the alien species of its power and it's mystery it's mystery and like feels like it kind of undercuts the power of the quadrilogy, not just of the species, but also of what the movies stand for in terms of instinctual feminine power. So uh, I don't know, like Water, Water, Waterston, you know, her character Daniels is like not the protagonist. She's like a a decoy for the real protagonist, which is well, David. David. And the same thing with Shaw. You know, Shaw and David kind of share equal screen time, equal arcs, like equal time spent on their arcs. But at the end of the day, David is the more compelling character. It's his story. Well, he it's a he's the only continuation that we have even, which is like even more dumb and like If I can just say quickly in response to what what Layla was saying, I, I think that you're right. I, I I agree with you. But if you sort of for for this movie especially, I, I I took a step back and thinking to yourself that maybe like this still is tied together with the company. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a bioweapon created by the company indirectly through David. Yeah. So it kind of maybe loosely ties it in that way. I'm, I know I'm grasping at straws. I know it's like pretty far fetched, but maybe this is just showing us the procedural of how we got to the original quadrilogy. Right. In a se- which is, I guess, what a prequel. But does. it's just but like, like that's so boring. Like, who cares? Like, I, I, you know, that's, you're right. You're I, right. I, I look Why at, do we need to see it? Like, yeah, we don't need to see. We don't it. need to see it because what it does is it. What Layla was saying, which is it robs all all of the majesty of of the first one. I was just trying to be generous, you know, like I'm like I was like whenever we do these, I always want to approach it from a like, you know, like I liked a lot of stuff about it, you know, like I, just before before you jump into recap, Alex, I, I like I I liked like the first hour of this movie quite a bit. Well, yeah, that's what I'm like. I, th- what I was trying to do was like let's let's actually like introduce the stuff that that we do through the, the movie. And and the thing is like we get non old face. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Guy, P- Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Uh, and he's talking to David. And this scene is is. Again, it's interesting in the sense that it just could be in a different movie and it would be much better uh, where we get this guy who has the hubris. I actually kind of wish this was the original prequel, like where we just had like kind of an exposition dump of like Wayland talking to David and then just had this as the movie like that would have been more compelling to me. Talk about creation and they talk about I will serve you. You are human you will die and I will not like all that kind of stuff is really fascinating and like totally makes all of what was stretched into a for the first movie just co- like in this five minute thing got we got all yeah. of that information yeah we get David getting his name David! from the statue, of the statue of David, of David. David! giving himself his name I think after this emblem of perfect creation, he also creates himself as his story 
progresses. So I thought that was important. He has the ability to think for himself. If ever we wanted like a bigger connection to the Ubermensch, we get David playing Wagner. Oh, Wagner, yeah, the uh, entering Valhalla, which comes back later. Good, good call. Um, yeah, and then we get the classic opening of Alien Covenant. Do you and they, do you the... want to speak to Wagner, Layla? Or oh yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I t- oh my god, this is so like arts education. Um, I took an entire class on Wagner's ring, ring cycle in university. Um, yeah, so like he's he's referring to the first opera of the Ring Cycle, and it's it's basically um, a scene of of we're entering into Valhalla and the halls of the gods. So, like, I, I think that obviously Wagner is a really uh, complicated character in history, like a, a, a proto-Nazi, I guess, um, which yeah. may be a part of, um, you know, what's coded into this musical choice, uh, like uh, this idea of, like, perfect species or something, or genetic even, like, the idea of uh, genetics. You know, David used to dye his hair, like, he kind of looks like a bit of an Aryan youth. I want to just note about this scene that when he's sort of starting to, like, think for himself and question, okay, well, I can help you on this pursuit of your origins or, like, understanding where you came from, but I'm going to outlive you, so I need to think about that. And then Wayland totally, like, um, that like pulls this power move where he's like, bring me this tea and basically is like reminding him, like, you're my servant, no matter how superior you think you are. And it's like the it's like the yeah. the primal wound of the child where where they're dominated by their parent and and I don't know, undercut in some way, which I think is good, like character building for David so that we understand his narcissism and his contempt for humanity. In the next scene, we get a, a, a sort of uh, our introduction to Walter, who is now in a mothership. He's taking care of everybody. He's the synthetic of this. It's no longer the weird. I'm in a, a weird space robe. He's wearing like norm, a normal outfit. And he checks on on Catherine Waterston's character Daniels, our pre-burnt corpse of uh, James Franco, <laughs> which is the perfect amount of Franco anybody needs in a movie. But Walter also checks on on. This was a cool scene. I really liked this uh, with the embryos. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, where they're they're colonizing. It's a colonizing mission that they're on. They uh, are bringing embryos. Uh, to this new new place, uh, and David pulls out two uh, broken ones, two two dead ones, or one dead one, I think. Yeah, one. Great little touch, and then they have human people uh, on board as well, hanging. like fully formed, conscious hanging yeah, people, which not a good seems really choice, ridiculous. Honestly, like you don't want to hang like entire like human bodies and pods from like a precarious yeah. bar, but. It's a cool image. <laughs> Maybe stack them. It is a cool image. It's a cool image. Yeah, you could stack them, though. <laughs> but then we get a, a solar flare hitting one of the solar panels, and Walter changes some reserve power or whatever, and it gets it gets broken, and a bunch of people end up dying, and Catherine Waterston is woken up. A bunch of people are woken up. All the crew uh, is woken up. The it's crew an is woken yeah. up. Yeah. Well, the, the crew that's like essential or whatever... Uh, no, no, no! Crew. It's it's the crew. The entire crew is woken up, but the colonists. Colonists, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get our introduction to one of the better performances of Danny McBride, who's really good in the movie, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad he got the opportunity to 
watch James Franco die. Um, one of his best friends in real life. Uh, oh. I'm just going to keep harping on the fact that that like that's her character. This is her entire character is him dying. And no, that doesn't even matter throughout the movie. Yeah. Like it really doesn't. I think what they're trying to do is that they're trying to raise the stakes right away for us by having a tragedy strike to it's kind of, I don't know, maybe a bit of a lazy way to develop a character by being like, oh, look at this tragedy that she's going through. She's in grief, you know, grief being such a primary role in the quadrilogy. But it's like really fast and there's very little else about her, but that she's grieving, you know, and I think that they thought Absolutely. that would give her the depth and the complexity. But grieving is not an identity. We have people waking up from hypersleep and puking and stuff. It's so disorienting. Yeah, this initial scene is really cool. The kind of uh, crux of of this movie is like it's every movie plays on the fears that we have at any given time. And as a species, our fear now is extinction and so this idea of like colonizing other planets and like reviving our species is you know something that's played throughout the entire movie i like this like high stakes right from the beginning it kind of reminded me of like battlestar galactica where like you know you have nothing and you are literally everything you have right there like it's you're the that's the you know as far as we're concerned the remnants of humanity on this spaceship you know what it does is it brings you in as an audience member it brings the characters into a complex situation in which they're they're thrown into adversity and that is a really interesting place from which to watch characters react and grow and make choices and i think there's something about the way that they created this scene like i i found it very believable like the level of urgency the disorientation the way people are reacting to being basically pulled you know yanked out of this deep induced sleep and it made me think as well about like the vulnerability of humanity that we have this like veneered technology especially when we talk about like futuristic projections but at the same time like we're still these vulnerable creatures and there's a precariousness to being in these very artificial environments and what happens when there's an emergency and you're pulled out of this like artificial state and how fucked up that would leave you feeling yeah and then of course they have a malfunction and james Franco's trapped in his little pod and it's filling with some kind of gas. And um, I like the helplessness of watching somebody trapped and they're trying to use the jaws of life or something to pry him out. And then he just goes up in flames. It's terrifying. It is. And it's weird to me that James Franco, like that's that's it for him in the whole movie. Like that's <laughs> Other it. Other than like flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, like it's not even iPad. a flashback. It's like an iPad back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and... And, like, the thing that I like about Orem, uh, Billy Crudup's character... Um, oh, man. I love Billy Crudup. The, oh, my he, God. He just plays it really well. Like, his dialogue isn't very good, but, like, he as a, a sort of convincing religious person rather than... Like, and being, like, uncomfortable with being treated like a zealot is is a much more accurate representation of what I would want, what I wanted from the first one, which is, like... Yes! Like, hey, like, everybody already hates me. I'm on, like, thin ice with these people. I have to be, like, go kind of against my own beliefs as much as possible in uh-huh. this, this moment and be the quote-unquote captain for these people. That's really insightful, Alex. That's really insightful that he's like, okay, well, we need to be practical. We need to, like, review our protocols. We need 
to fix this ship and they're basically like can we can we bury our dead yeah can we have a moment yeah. and he's like you know not now and, and i think it's also like it made me think a little bit of gorman from aliens like talk to me talk to me He's he's definitely a little in over his head. He's trying to adjust to this leadership position. And I think the natural pitfall of stepping into leadership, being a newbie maybe, is that you you overdo it with trying to control or assert authority. Yes. Yeah. Um, instead of like honoring what's needed right now, like there's a balance to be struck in that. And also when when there is a confrontation uh, between him and Daniels, the the confrontation is surprisingly level-headed of like, well, we're close. There's a reason behind everybody's actions. There's the idea that like, hey, like we're closer to this planet. We might not make it to the other planet. And we have a bunch of colonists that we could take to the dumbass colonists. Yeah. And, and Daniels is like, that's a bad idea. And like you understand both of their points of view rather than just randomly taking your fucking helmet off and then everybody else taking their fucking helmet off and somebody <laughs> aggressively coming up to you being like, I love rocks! You know, it's just like... I like rocks. I love rocks. That's clear you two don't give a shit about rocks. <laughs> oh, Alex, yeah. can I just say something that I think you'll appreciate? Uh, Billy gave me major Jim Caviezel energy in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Jim Zealot Caviezel. Yeah. Speaking of Zealots. Yes. I heard that he's a... I heard that he's... Um, a QAnoner now? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Oh, no. Disappointing. I still love him as an actor, but... Um, yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, Kareen is also introduced as a person that is black and will eventually die. That's her character. Uh, well, you know what? I actually like her character. Like, I, I know that they, they kind of do her dirty because to me, me she's, she's actually quite level-headed. Like, the, what, what few lines she is permitted, what what scenes she is permitted. I I think she's smart. I think she's compassionate. I think she's insightful. Like, the, the advice she gives to her husband, Billy Crudup's character, to, like, you know, yeah, you're in command right now but you're gonna be neighbors with these people yeah that was a great yeah. line that's really good advice that was a great line uh i love amy simons in it as well yeah. she's uh tennessee's uh, danny mcbride yeah. what a dumb Maggie. fucking reference too like what a dumb reference tennessee okay like, oh like dallas, dallas. Oh. yeah exactly they're doing oh, a lot of yeah. that they're paying lip service to alien in a lot of really obvious ways like there are some like repeated lines like word like verbatim they're trying to model daniels as ripley when you're talking about that scene where billy crudup and daniels are are talking i find his argument completely legitimate but what I, th I was wondering in the movie if what they were trying to do was use this scene to set her up as the pragmatic one, you know, like, wait, is this smart? Should we do this? We should think this through, like kind of invoking Ripley Definitely. and that caution. But the thing is, it's, you know, she's not counterpoised against somebody who's being really reckless. Like exactly. his position makes a lot of sense. Like, look, we have this planet. It actually exceeds the expectations we have for this other one that's seven years away. We're here now. We've taken this big loss. People seem keen. They don't seem keen to go back into hypersleep for obvious reasons. You know, maybe we should explore this option. I'm like, that totally makes sense. Like, I would do that, you know? So I guess I, I felt a little bit like 
the the intention possibly behind setting um, Daniels up as like the the instinctual or insightful or practical one it didn't really work for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know what? The what I what I like about that that idea is that it contrasts every single one of the other alien movies where there is a, right. a, a dynamic that's of, true oh that's a crazy person we shouldn't listen to them and everybody's like yeah yeah let's listen to them and it's like <laughs> no that's a terrible idea right. whereas this this counterbalances that by by saying like we have two perspectives but there's no play out in that there's no uh, like build towards a discussion about like, hey, let's talk to the crew. Let's. Talk. It's just it's met for the the the, the scene works. But it doesn't continue as a through line of like making practical choices that end up backfiring either way. Like we're entering a chaotic world where practical choices aren't the answer. Faith is the answer or recklessness is the answer or something is the answer or pr- practicality <laughs> ultimate. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, there's something there that you can view in some interesting way, but they, uh, there's no through line. Who cares? This scene just falls by the wayside by like an hour in. You know? You're so right, because as we go on, when they actually make their way to the planet, I'm not, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but just to note this, if Daniels was so concerned about even considering this planet as an option, and that that's the caution that she feels, why was it suddenly okay to go down there? just breathing the air and walking amidst the flora and fauna of this alien planet. But we'll get there. Um, there's a cargo yeah. room scene where she's doing some work. Walter has volunteered to help her. You can tell they're like setting us up for like Walter to be enamored with her to some extent. Which it, to me was flimsy as best. When, when, when David later says, oh, you like her, eh? It was like, what? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> who? Like, yeah. I guess they had the in the next scene after this, they have the only part where they even form a relationship. The only the the visuals that they uh, that uh, Ridley Scott uses to form that relationship are uh, like him having a Walter having a special focus on on her when in hypersleep, which whatever, like who cares? I thought like you can just interpret that as we're seeing the main character now, and then later on when they uh, foreshadow that. Uh, Daniels is going to kill the alien with these like truck machine things at the end. Those are the only two scenes where they have any actual quote unquote connection. And it's because Daniels says, Oh, I'm going to build a log cabin with my actor rapist, James Franco person on this new planet. And it's like the fuck out of here. Who cares about this? Like, is this is how you're building character? The way she launches into it, I get it, you're grieving, but it, it just felt like, come with me to the cargo hold so I can tell you about my ex-boyfriend. Exactly. You know, like, I was like, oh, okay, right, so thank you for that backstory. Some of these emotional conversations, and I feel this way later in the movie as well, don't feel earned. They're happening too soon, or they're, they're being set up too awkwardly. So it's like, okay, you wanted to use this scene to tell this story, but I'm just too aware of the mechanics of it, and I'm not immersed. Did we get the quick setup of the Chekhov's gun where she has the like little pin that she puts uh, around a piece of leather. Oh yeah. Well, it's supposed to be like a, like a nail, right? Like Jesus and the cross. There's so much weird stuff with that. That's like, so 
like the alien doing the cross at the at the end of the little alien. Oh, I um, love that. I, I love that to too. Yeah, I thought it was very cute. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, I thought it was so, amazing. He's so cute. He is it's very so cute. cute. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, yeah. She tiled. So you were saying Malenko. She puts that around her neck. Yeah, and like, and that also kind of ties into the whole idea of like they're gonna build a log cabin and like building things and starting from scratch and pioneers. And then there's like also just like the whole element of like colonization, which is just like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I understand um, that it works in the movie and everything, but just like knowing how colonization has impacted our planet and earth now, like the one we have. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it feels very like, Oh man, like what are they saying about it in this movie? You know? Yeah. It so follows this model still. Like it almost, even though like lots of amazing sci-fi uses uh, itself as a genre to explore racism and colonization in such cool ways, but like this trope of like humans going extinct, colonizing other planets, it's still operating from that antiquated idea that you're going to a place that's empty and you're going to just fill it with yourself. And it's like, that's never how it works. I mean, unless you terraform. And even then, it's like, who's to say what constitutes life? I mean, you know, it's very uh, anthropomorphic the way we perceive things. So, yeah, yeah, like it's still operating from that sense of like, it's just an empty place that we're going to build our civilization on. And we get to sort of cherry pick whichever place we want to do that. Fair enough. I I mean, I'm very much uh, like, you know, as much as I, I, like agree with that as a a metaphor in movies i would say like i am a human supremacist like i would rather survive as a species than than anything else you know what i mean like it's sort of the thing is like the thing is the problem with that viewpoint is that you don't know how interconnected things are because of your limited way of perceiving oh yeah well that's fine that's i mean that's the thing that's why that's why it like we exist. That's the, like we survive because of that. We trample yeah. all, all over everything. But it's kind of like we've never survived without anything else. I mean, I or, or that like the perception that like we can dislocate ourselves and plant ourselves elsewhere and that we're not like an intrinsic part of a living ecosystem that is more lateral than hierarchical. Or, I think that that is like a, a, fall- a, a fallacious uh perspective oh my god is fallacious a word i just yes, feel like I'm it is yes, yes, okay, because i'm like on the edge of saying fellatio and uh, <laughs> i'm just very aware of that i mean um, this movie has so much fellatio in it i'll do the fingering so it's it's appropriate <laughs> um so yeah like also the Chekhov's gun of the cargo room and seeing those big yeah like, the machines machines m- loader truck whatever things also they have their uh, little secret crew burial of james franco's character and billy yeah. crudup is like creepily watching them from a computer screen yeah. and yeah. uh and and i and as soon as they like launch him out out i i even said to myself like governor <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering if somebody was gonna bring it up <laughs> Of course, we gotta in talk about gold. Of you guys, in honor of you guys. Thank oh, yeah. you so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> and oh, like, so Crudup is angry. He's angry that they like disobeyed him. Which, which, like, yeah, I, I kind of. You don't have the understanding. You lost <laughs> he's, a crew he's member. He's self conscious about being taken seriously right. because 
he's religious, right? He thinks like, I think he's like that. He's paranoid, right? So he's not just like, okay, they did this thing, but they need it. I can just balance it in my mind. He has this paranoia that he's not going to be taken seriously because they, he thinks people see him as a zealot. So I think that's why he, he's taking it in this weird way. Is he afraid of the war on Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, then they try and fix the like solar, solar panels and Tennessee goes out to try and fix the, the solar panel and he gets hit with, a beacon mm-hmm. uh, that's similar to the beacon uh, that was in the uh, first movie, and it's a person singing. And it's what is the song again? It's I Country Road. Country Road, um, Country which is such a weird, John Denver, weird. Yeah. Who's still relevant? Like, yeah, it's, it's also weird that a Swedish person would be singing that. Uh, she's Swedish, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm pretty yeah. sure she's Swedish. Anyway, they they get that they're like really confused. I'm confused. And they go in and they analyze the beacon, which it gives them the coordinates of whatever planet that the engineers are from, which is from the fir- referencing the first one. Yeah, it's like slightly less. Uh, gravity of the the earth which explains why they're taller <laughs> um and, yeah that's yeah, true like, that is like, true very true actually little things like that um well you know it's got water it's got lakes whatever also no one is surprised that fucking some person is singing in english a, a earth song like no one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to, yeah. in reference to that, like, there's a real sort of Americana feel to this movie. Yeah, so definitely. I yeah. think this movie actively did that because Prometheus, for all its faults, does feel very Euro. Totally. Yeah, very Euro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like it tried to do a very different thing uh, and by by that. But, like, I don't know. It, it just didn't work. But he is a Euro guy. He is a Euro sensibility, right? Yeah, he yeah, exactly. I don't know. This 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 planet seems good. Yeah, we heard a transmission. Like the transmission part would freak me out. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody slowly singing. Like if, I, if we happen to find a planet, like the planet seems cool. Yeah, looks like it it's a habitable world. Maybe we can go here. Yeah, sure. Check that out. But some kind of strange human uh, transmission is coming from there and we've never also the weird magical quality of this planet that they didn't tr- like it didn't show up in their scans yeah uh, what are yeah. we saying about that like i don't know there's just sort of these interesting elements in which the planet itself is kind of treated as magical and elusive and that's part of the foreboding feeling that daniels has like how come it didn't show up i explained that away kind of in my head in a very star trek way mm-hmm. because this <laughs> like being are so technologically advanced and they have like space travel maybe they have like deflector dishes that make them undetectable i don't know i mean it's a super stretch yeah i think that's valid and and until you're within a certain range you can't detect it i think that could be the case for sure i agree like i i think that like what's interesting more interesting about them not knowing is the confrontation between her and billy crudup we didn't pick it up and like i mean his reaction seems like yeah i mean some dude like the universe is fucking big dude like it's like like what do you mean we didn't pick we didn't pick up a lot of things like i think that that's okay and for him to be like it's my responsibility 
to get people where they need to go and colonize. Yeah. Like I actually agreed with him in this instance way more than I agreed with her. You guys are totally right. Like it it just, it's supposed, you're right. It's supposed to set her up. It retrospectively sets her up as the sensible one, but it's not really putting us on her side at this point. But the information they're going into the situation with, this seems like a perfectly logical choice. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I and I, I again, I'll, I'll say that I, I really like that. And then I, I like the stuff where it's like, oh, it's like them going out, and it's a reference to the second Alien movie, uh, where they're all like helmeted up and like they're going down to like explore their explorers what i do sort of appreciate about this one and as much as it is annoying for them to not wear like spacesuits and stuff like that it still feels a lot more cohesive a reason in this movie than it does in the other movie in the other movie they're yes. they're set up as these people who are like scientists the, yeah. like these are for all intents and purposes these guys know how to operate the ship and know how to get to places that are habitable that's that yeah. to me allows for a certain kind of stupidity in them or stupid choices that they make as like yeah that's fair fair enough you know whereas like the first one in prometheus it just feels a little bit like like whoa guys like you guys are making terrible like in the way that like a normal person if you described a normal person it's like what do you think a scientist would be they'd be like boring and they do too much talking and like thinking about things whereas like this one is set up in a way where it's like these guys I like rocks I like turtles yeah yeah yeah, exactly whereas if you took those same characters (laughs) slightly altered them and and made them like pioneers. Yeah, I, I'm down with that. That characterization yeah. is fine, you know. But well, okay. I guess like the thing that I I stumble on is like okay. So if Daniels has these concerns and Crudup has you know this perspective, what are they saying when they go down? And things go to hell. Like, to me, the movie has to have a statement of some kind. It has to be implying something in its storytelling. It can't just unfold purely uh, like real life where shit happens and it, you know, it sort of uh, for many different reasons. Like, I feel it has to be more cohesive than that. And so what ultimately I feel like the movie is trying to say is that Billy Crudup was wrong and they shouldn't have gone. Yeah. And so that's why I think I need a little bit more opposition. I think I, I need a little bit less I don't know like I need for him to have made a, ca- a stronger calculation error for things to result the way they do fair enough yeah but yeah like we get them going down and it, it has like some aliens feel to it they're, they, they're in for some chop <laughs> but those characters aren't anything <laughs> no they're like. not that's the thing like it's it's it all passes very unmemorably like a lot of the the moments that I think are meant to be sort of endearing are somewhat forgettable just because there isn't enough of a sense of the characters. No, like, do you remember anybody's name? Daniels, Orem, Tennessee. Tennessee, but it's just because it's such a a specific kind of name that's meant to be memorable. I had to, like, memorize their names in order to be able to, like, reference them. Walter. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like, I mean, it it seems like they, they got to this place, set up a bunch of crew... Just to be like, okay, the next scene, we're going to travel around looking at things. 
And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. The movie is gorgeous. The movie looks yeah. really good. Sans the alien at the end. The alien is really bad looking at the end. Almost <laughs> Alien 3 levels of bad. Um, <laughs> I'd actually prefer Alien 3. Alien Cubed is a much better. I'm repping hard for the VFX in Alien Cubed over this movie. You know, they go out and they they try and look for places to terraform. The one thing in, in this scene that I found was fantastic was when they get to a certain point and they're like, listen, and there's nothing, you don't hear anything. Great. Great. It's such a great way of building suspense and like and being the like, wheat, the, the giant, wheat, yeah, wheat. the giant wheat. That stuff was really cool. You know, that kind of stuff to me, if they did more of that, they, that could have built a lot more character. If they got to the planet a little quicker. Also, I was going to say, I know I mentioned this last time, but I sort of reconfigured some of the plot of an alien sequel that I was talking about. What if they what if the they came to a planet and and what if the, it was the mission was to just terraform the planet and it was right away. They just came there right away. Yeah. And then yeah. you cut to years later. You get to know the first act is just getting to know all the characters and then it cuts oh, to years later. So cool. And they've built like a community and houses and shit like that and then the alien comes in like almost like a witch. Like they start getting superstitious. And it's like, like some, some, like, it's like, you don't see the alien for like the first, like, 45 minutes or an hour and it's so like they're actually like pilgrims like yeah they're they actually have like, like pilgrims sort of and like <laughs> puritan old style like, they, yeah like they, they, one person gets a face hugger on them and they just forget they 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 people go out for, as a search party to look for them but by the time they get to him the alien has died or whatever oh, and like nice. moved off and then like it bursts out of its the person's chest and they're like oh my god like what the fuck is happening i think that's a great idea for a movie and i wanted to ask you guys what you thought Th- this has been this question was on my mind the entire time i was watching this movie do you think that equipped with like the technology, the 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 know-how, the means, like, fine, let's say we go to a different planet, we get 2,000 people, whatever, embryos, all of that stuff. Do you think that, like, at a second shot of a planet, like, we would, you know, have a ide- better idea about resource extraction and about biodiversity? Like, do you think we would do it better? It depends who goes. I, I, th- I think no. Just because... I, I, I'll say part of the reason planets and resource extraction happen in general is because when you're industrializing, you can't extract a resource without having waste. And it's not necessarily that like any particular thing can like, you know, make uh, like biodiversity and stuff happen. Once you do the level of industrialization that like a species like ours needs, um, it just fucks up a planet. That's it. You're, the planet is fucked after that. You know what I mean? Like you can introduce other things to level that out, but it's it's done after that. That's just me. That's just what I've heard. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's it, like part of it is just like extracting but, but I'm of saying, resource. I'm saying, you know? do you think we could have a different idea of a relationship yeah. to an ecosystem and a planet? But th- this is the thing we already have. Like, I don't know why, but I just think we like, we're so in, in, 
maybe in North America, we're just so used to defaulting as like our culture, right, yeah. as like the the culture, like our our history as the the history, you know. And it's like there have been so so exactly. many like generation upon generation of 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 cultures, you know, that that have lived in a very different relationship with their environment. And I don't want to like that's absolutely true. I don't want to like attach value to it, but like there are so many ways that have already existed of like cohabiting within an ecosystem and like understanding yourself to be uh, a part of an ecosystem. And then there are ways that we've never thought of before as a, a species. Yeah. So I just think if you're being a realist about what people would do, uh, it depends on who's going. It depends on who's funding it, you know? Well, if they're already there going, then the, I guess... They they go with the intention of I don't know I I will say I will say you're absolutely right but you're also limiting um what you you say that it's it's like you're thinking about it as our culture and that that's true but at the same time you're not thinking about when you when you zoom out into a universe our culture becomes. Uh, like Earth culture it doesn't become it's not just like one place it's it's Earth is the culture. You know what I mean? And when you have, like, we all live in, like, we all intersect. Part of the reason, like, different cultures can exist as they do on a small scale is because they are small scale. Whereas yeah, you yeah. have, uh, as, as a global culture, you, and you go, you go out to, like, take over basically another planet, which is what they're doing. They don't call it that. But the colonization of, of a different planet implies, oh, like, I'm going to live here. I'm going to extract resources to be here. And maybe you can, you can build a technology that, that helps equalize that in some way. And maybe they have. But I don't, like, I mean, honestly, I, like, when people say things like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Mars and terraform it. It's like, guys, we got a planet right here we need to terraform. Yeah. We oh, need to figure out what we do here first before we we can go there because that'll just end up be a tr being a trash planet too. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. Like if you're, uh, yeah, I mean the whole concept of colonizing in space usually rests on the idea that we can't stay where we are. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're going to continue to be extractive somewhere else or continue to uh, exhaust our resources somewhere else because we've, we've, we've exhausted the planet we're on. Which is what I like about, David's line later where he's like they're a dying species yeah. and it, I mean it was cool it was it yeah. was an interesting take on that to sort of have our creation comment on us in that way you know yeah and also to understand his motivation is not purely narcissistic though there's a very strong strain of narcissism within him that he also it's it comes from observation it comes from the wound of understanding that like your parent species is absolutely fucked you know Malenko I, we didn't ask you to answer oh, your question yeah. I just wanted to know if you have an idea the the answer for me is sort of if we're going to colonize then we're gonna create a problem in the first place mm -hmm. right the, yeah. yeah like that's just sort of what it comes down to for me it is like if we weren't able to I mean I understand the need like the necessity aspect of like well, you know, we, we just have to at this point, right? Like, it's so bad that for our survival, we have to. But I don't know. I, I don't think uh, I don't think that it that's the answer. 
There, there's a no, nobility. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is just too like a doughy eyed of myself, but there is <laughs> like the idea of external of colonization of, of different places. Like the ex- exploration factor is important. I think. Yes. I think because so much of, of discourse now of like the idea of white supremacy and, and colonization, it, it's, it's so focused on whiteness that like it also reduces what what you know colonization was forever which is every culture is is colonizing every not not to do the like like oh let's not focus on on uh, uh whiteness and white supremacy um because that's that's the sort of issue at now but that is also a very american centric view of looking at what colonization is which that's is true. historically colonization just happens because as a young species you know hundreds of thousands of years before like they left to explore again maybe i'm i'm just too doughy-eyed about it but i like the idea of exploration or like a noble exploration maybe this is a crew that i could you know isn't like completely irrational that'll be like you know what like let's try and live in in harmony with this. I don't know. I just want to add like that there is something fundamentally migratory about our species as well. well not not our species alone, like lots of animal species as well. There is a, a reality of like humans wandering all continents of the earth and cultures proliferating and being informed by different climates and different lands. And, you know, there is something about humans that have a restless curiosity and a wandering spirit that, I mean, uh, you know, I think that, yeah, space exploration for some people purely is about just finding new places and encountering them. And I, I think that is an impulse to life itself, to spread out and wander. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. just, it does, it can create profound imbalance and then ultimately domination and, and violence in the name of resource uh, accumulation. And maybe those are life cycles. Maybe those are just yeah. uh, like at scale life cycles in the same way that like viruses come into organisms to kill them or speaking of the next scene where we get uh the first sort of pod good segue and the goo <laughs> that that sort of like has infected all of the the, plant- spores? the spores yeah oh yeah and the jurassic park moment of i gotta take a leak I was yeah, like, yeah totally. that's when bad things happen. You're going to go take a leak and something's going to happen. Uh, take to you. a leak <laughs> and he goes to smoke a cigarette because everybody just still smokes cigarettes. He taps on onto the one of the spores and it goes ugh, into his ear. No. And it's intelligent. Yeah. It like totally. it, it purposefully infiltrates him. It just, just doesn't just happen to fall into his ear. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh and, and he scratches his ear, uh, tries the tooth. Oh, tries the tooth. So tries the tooth. Honey, what's this? Um and um he doesn't turn into a gross putty monster, but he gets very sick, which is how the original should have happened. But yeah. I also love that they all have their their <laughs> ca- <laughs> they all have their cameras on the back. They have their like uh GoPro. Oh yeah, they have like the GoPros. Yeah. Kind of like I, th- I thought that was neat uh, in terms of the tech. Uh, and then they find the crew, the rest of them. Those guys are two separate people. I think it's a, a Car- Carmen and Joko. Uh, yeah, Kareen. And, and the other guy. Uh, Ledward. Yeah. And they stay back to like analyze samples of some kind. And then the rest of the crew, they get to the ship that uh, David piloted with mm-hmm. uh, Shaw. 
uh, as his body. And another person gets sick and it goes up his nose, uh, which I liked. Thomas, this, yeah. Th- this this kind of stuff I really liked as like, oh yeah, this is how people get sick. They touch their ears, they touch their orifices. Also, I wanted, like it was nice to see a gay relationship in this, however minute. Very minute, yeah. but yes. This this whole movie is a couple's retreat. Like I was like, this is a couple's retreat gone terribly <laughs> wrong. Everyone sure. is a couple. <laughs> Everyone's like, uh, oh, oh God, there was this one super heteronormative uh, statement. And I was like, okay, we get it. He says, behave yourself with my wife. There are just so many of those moments of being like, hey, that's my wife you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, they oh, can't right. even like <laughs> imagine any other kind of state of being. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's so weird well this is supposed to be like noah's ark right yes it's a bunch of bodies being transported yeah Yeah. i do like actually i you know the couples retreat comment is hilarious but i do like that they are all couples that's kind of like a unique element of this movie and like it's nice to think of like there they are these units and a lot of that like coupling plays into decision making in this movie well i mean the rest of the the rest of the colonists dude are completely poly (laughs) (laughs) it's just one big polycule um yeah so they discover this ship that they're in this ship and it's sort of covered in moss and they find elizabeth shaw's dog tags and you have walter this is this is where things go downhill pretty yeah 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 like it's not quite the exact halfway point it's not quite there but yeah you find out that, that that was 10 years ago that Shaw went missing, as Walter explains. And then, yeah, things start to go downhill. Ledward uh, is is getting quite ill, so Kareen uh, decides to take him back to the little dropship. And when she sort of tells Odom, her husband, like, Orum. okay, Ledward's... Orum, Orum, like he's no, ill. No, Orum is, sorry, Orum is the, is the captain. That's Billy Crudo. Yeah, yeah, that's her husband. That's oh, okay, yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, like, the way he reacts, like, to the fact that, like, he's suddenly, like, one of his crewmates is suddenly ill, it feels very, it doesn't feel urgent enough at the beginning. And it's like, that. then then I'm really reminded, yes, they're on an alien planet without protection, just in terms of the air they're breathing and the exposure. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a, so much urgency see uh, but uh, ledward like eventually like pukes blood onto kareen and things start to escalate from here and i actually was really into this escalation of action me too it's super um, awesome I thought it was well done well edited the amping up of tension the the choices the reactions were all like really good and i really thought that the carmen ajogo who plays kareen i thought she was fantastic yeah, for sure. I love I love her interaction. Well, one, one thing I wanted to mention about actually about um, Orem's reaction, I agree that it's it's way uh, like leveled down. But also, they found this alien ship, and they're like, oh, like what the fuck, you know? Right. Um. So, like, I I feel like I can sort of forgive the idea that he's occupied and like maybe isn't paying super attention. Um, but, but I think you're right in terms of this action scene is probably one of the best action scenes in a long time and in sci-fi it's super cool. Like we got an appropriate amount of like handheld stuff and like Amy Simon's reaction to what's his name puking on Korean, uh, (laughs) and her being like, this is a terrible idea. I don't want to let these people on the ship. Yeah. It's it's the most my brother to coronavirus uh, reaction, the best <laughs> healthiest reaction, which is don't it's let this person in. Yeah. This was tragic for me because I really love 
Amy Simons a lot. The fact that she dies so quickly and is really annoying. Yeah. Uh, but her performance in this this scene of like a really scared uh, person, and then. Kareem's? I was going to say, just in, in the spirit of like trying to spot the Lambert of every movie, I think she's the Lambert of this movie. Yes. Oh, God. 100%. Uh, and, and I love Kareem's reaction to realizing she's trapped in this place. Yeah. Like that sort of like panic of like yeah. both, I made a huge mistake. I've made a huge mistake. It's so perfect. And then when they open his shirt and the blood jizzes on oh. fucking uh, Amy Simons' face and she's just like, oh my God. <laughs> the like panic of like, I've been infected and also the like, like, like shakiness and like, yeah. you need to wear your gloves uh, <laughs> and then locking her, Kareen, in the, in the place yeah. and him like convulsing. So scary. So scary. It's such a betrayal moment, but one made out of such out of body urgency, right? Yes. Like he, yeah. You know, she, she's exposed to, if, 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 if Kareen has been exposed, you just got someone's blood splattered all over your face. You've been yeah. exposed. But the kind of like executive decision she makes to lock Kareen in, but spare herself is like, oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's really tough. It's, re- it's really intense, but it's believable. When Ferris comes back, Amy's character, and she's looking into the window and Kareen is mad and she's like, open the fucking door. And then while the guy, Leeward, Ledward or whatever is convulsing, she goes to like comfort him. So she embraces him. But then like some spikes break out of his back and it's fucking terrifying. What was his name again? Ledward. Oh, uh, what did my brother say? Uh, he said Leeward first and then Ledward. Oh, I okay, think. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he, he said like, Ferris and I was going to be like, really, Paris? His, his like <laughs> convulsing birth moment is really disgusting. It's and, so and gross. Good. And he he's got that job. like, yeah, yeah, he got that gross sack right. falls out of him too. Like oh. that's hangy. I was like, damn, oh. dude, like you got so Ew. vicious. And his body just you like know? flops back over the table. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just really good and really gross. You know how, like, um, every time something's first revealed in these movies, it always, like, takes a moment and you see it and then there's a sack. And But every other time it happens, it just happens so fast. Like, yeah. the aliens are adults in, like, two seconds. I know. They grow up so fast. And and, and w- w- what I love, though, I, <laughs> I, I, Layla. I love when, when Kareen goes to run to get the gun and slips on the blood. I love slipping on blood. That's oh, one of my favorite blood, fucking choice it's it's the best um but uh the white aliens were uh, a b- big big improvement on on this this movie for me what did you call them again layla nano aliens machine neomorphs neomorphs uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure and then yeah. and then it great. like scratching at, at her and stuff it's like a really really effective scene and then Orem comes in and he's like running and fucking amy simons comes up and there's a lot of cool handheld and she grabs a gun and she opens the door and then she slips on the blood and shoots above the alien uh and the alien starts to run and it's like really brutal it's really brutal this movie feels to me sometimes like a slasher 
horror film. Just because yeah. you have these moments of a single female character often running through a passage, freaking out, often injured. I feel like I've seen this before, you know, like there's an iconic quality to being injured and running. What am I thinking of? What movie? I mean, I every thinking? every horror movie since the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you're right. Like, yeah, it, it is in the realm. There's limping. And like, she, the fact that she closed her door, her foot in the door. In the door. You know, that was which, great. Which, like, yeah. fucked up her foot. And then she jumps from this higher platform and she kind of messes up her body even more. She grabs a gun. And she, and I, I thought it was really believable. Like, they earned the explosion of the ship because that's just what you do is you just, like, flail and shoot in all different directions trying to kill this thing. And, yeah, you might hit an oxygen tank or something. And so I, I thought that whole sequence was tight and believable. Like, just well executed, believable, and, like, nicely takes care of the fact that they cannot escape now. You know, they earned that elimination of, of, of an exit. There's no time to take a breath because yeah. instantly the other guy who got the spores in his in his nose, he starts freaking out and it's uh, the back burster uh, bursts out of his back uh, and then it comes out of his mouth. Oh, it comes out of his mouth. Oh, yeah, it does come out of his mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely like, like Ew. very <laughs> evil dead. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Um, it, it, it and um, what's it called? Damn. Like they. Amy Simons comes out, her flailing on fire body comes out uh, out of the uh, ship. Yeah, what a weird choice. Like, it, after, well, like, like, a the, massive explosion yeah. of the ship, like... I didn't well, catch it's like that. The, the, the Prometheus, too. Like, when they just light oh. fucking Tom Softy on fire, and it's just like, whoa, dude, like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> these um, movies have like a prerequisite of like one to two people like being incinerated like it's just it, it it's just required now <laughs> i didn't see that though that's uh that's kind of uh horrifying as they're sort of getting attacked from all different angles this time in a field which i thought was a cool visual because we've never seen aliens among like vegetation necessarily. Yeah. yeah. And then like suddenly there's like a giant like sonic flare that's shot up in the air and it's like super disorienting. Everyone's like really messed up. Uh, um, Walter has had his hand, hand eaten off. off. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's crazy. And then we get this like mysterious hooded figure that like leads them all to a like lost city. Uh-huh. They also the alien grows so fucking quickly. Like what the yeah. fu- way quicker than any of the other alien movies. My explanation is that I think there were more maybe on that planet already. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I think some of the ones that are attacking from the grass are not the ones that are just born. That's what uh, I thought. That's yeah. what I thought, but maybe not. It's kind of like being at the alien zoo. There's all kinds of <laughs> aliens, and and they're also it kind of felt like a savanna where yeah. you have these like predators in the grasses they walk into a piazza almost like this big square and there are all these desiccated almost fossilized looking bodies all around the square i forgot all of this stuff i this is my favorite stuff 
in this movie. It was this cool. Weird, it was yeah. weird, bizarre destruction. I love this. Is it Pompeii that was engulfed in volcanic ash? What, yeah. Which yeah, one yeah. was it? Yeah. I think so. It kind of felt like right. that a little bit, like a sort of hearkening back to like an older civilization or something. Yeah. I, yes. I, I like yes. this because of the fact that like it is a, di- it feels like a different world. The aliens are also more flaily, the white aliens, than the, 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 it seems like the black aliens, the like final xenomorph are like very tactile. Um, uh-huh. But I also liked how the flashbacks unfold in this movie because they don't feel like flashbacks. They kind of just feel like, oh, it's like, ha- oh, it's almost like it's happening through the description of somebody. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, they go in, they follow the mysterious figure. Nobody's concerned about like how there are human figures on this like fully faces this person seems like they seem so trusting i guess of i David think it's like very just disorienting like at this yeah, point probably yeah. probably like this person fired the flare they seem to know something about these creatures and maybe they can bring them to safety i wanted to just say like a, how did you guess about the neomorphs these like weird white aliens how did you guess that they were modeled after goblin sharks <laughs> oh, um, cool. They look like them. Yeah, they do. But they're also meant to move like baboons and praying mantises. Oh, cool. Purposefully cool. less biomechanical. Machines! Because it's, it's being implied that the alien species has not evolved to that point of having those ridges. Their bodies are softer and fleshier instead of having those biomechanical details. That's cool. I love that. David is giving some exposition to them about how he arrived on to the planet that he came with elizabeth shaw that the this the ship crashed and she didn't survive he takes his hood down and you see he's grown this long um long mane of lank uh ombre hair yeah he looks like iggy pop <laughs> oak rock is a word used by dilettantes and uh heartless manipulators <laughs> yeah, he does <laughs> And he says that the pathogen was designed to infect all non-botanical life forms and either er just kill them or use them as incubators for uh, a different species. He's not talking about who planned it that way or how it came to be that way. He's talking about it as though he's just discovered that world as it is himself. Doesn't David talk a little bit like like a super incel? Like he's always like quoting poetry and being like very epic and being like, oh, I'm Robinson Crusoe, like has an inflated sense of uh, whatever. He has like a, a Bond villain quality to him as well. Like highly refined, very intelligent. A little gay. A little gay, a little fan, a very like um, elevated, uh, inflated sense of self. Oh, and how menacing is the line of uh, a colony mission? How many colonists? Over 2,000. Well, well, well. So many good souls. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh no, don't tell him this. Yeah, don't give him any more information. He also says, welcome, brother, to Walter. Hey, brother. Oh, yeah. Welcome, brother. Good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Walter. Uh, after sort of speaking with Daniels and she saying like, you know, we don't really know anything about this place. There's something feels off. He says that he'll talk to talk to David brother to brother. That's my brother. He's my brother. I love that. Yeah. I, the brother stuff. Honestly, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Brothers. <laughs> 
<laughs> it would be really funny if you guys did like a Photoshop of your faces onto the flute scene. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, so I, I gotta say, we've we've talked about the flute scene. Uh, let's just get to it. Actually, let's let's get to it when we get to it. Dallas, uh, Dallas, Tennessee does the irresponsible thing of bringing the ship down to eighty kilometers above the storm. Uh, I, I had is, a real problem with this one. Yeah, like, me too. You left only three crew members on the ship. Uh, one of which is Jesse Smollett. We should say. Um, and oh, like, I was gonna, I was, I was wondering if anybody was gonna mention Jesse. Smollett. Of course, we're gonna bring up Jesse Smollett. Uh, but, but, like. I don't know. Like, there's no check in place, like, for something like this. It was, there's, you're responsible for 2,000 people. There's nothing you can do. Your partner chose to go down there. Like, it's just, fe- I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I would act in this situation, but it just feels like there's an element of it that's like, you, what are you going to do closer? Well, yeah. Well, it, no, well, they're, it's, they're gonna, it's, they're, it's the comms, right? Like, yeah, if he wants to right. closer because of that. You yeah. might be able to get a hold of them. You might be close enough to get the signal. Right, that's, right. that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I didn't find it super unbelievable. I was like, yeah, like, this is what he's he's trying to go within the threshold of safety to see if he can boost the signal or whatever be able to get in touch with them you know and his wife he's lost touch with his wife and before he lost touch with her she was really scared i can kind of get like wanting to know like wanting to hear of course of course and and doing what you can it seems like the drawback to like bringing only couples on this exactly it's kind of a liability (laughs) well also like we get the same problem that we had uh before which is you know, we get these very unstable people, you know what I mean? And uh, like, again, I can sort of gloss over it by being like, they're colonists. That's sort of okay for me. Uh, in the next scene, we get uh, David cutting off his hair so that we get that stupid reveal at the end, um, uh-huh. which was yeah. so dumb. And I hated yeah. it. I, I hated it Ugh. so much. And and Walter comes in and picks up one of the flutes. Oh, this is the scene. Great. Perfect. Yeah, okay, so it. masterfully done. I think. I think it's the best scene in the movie. Uh, not just because it has the sort of element of homoeroticism, but because I think that it's beautifully done, just on a technical level, uh, oh, where yeah. it's like you get two people interacting with each other in a scene that's played by the same actor. The camera's moving, and we get a, a whole. Even playing a flute with himself. That's crazy. This is yeah. amazing. It's really yeah. impressive. And then the classic, I'll do the fingering is... I'll do the fingering. So, such a like pointed, knowing line. But then like we also get the uh, beautiful idea of Walter learning independence, which is taken away from the robots post David's creation, which is very yes. cool. Yes, that was really cool. I also liked something that they did that they rarely do in movies where there's two of someone is they made them different in height, which gave it so much more believability in terms of like, I mean, I guess they don't do the messed up eye lines and stuff anymore. Like they used to in the double impact movies. I want to see my brother. Yeah. But yeah, this was cool. This was really great. Wait, who's shorter? I didn't notice. Uh, David is shorter. Walter is taller. Walter is taller. Yeah. I noticed that this time too. Slightly. 
Yeah, um, and uh, very Nikolica vibes in this for sure. Super Nikolica energy. Um, but what was cool is I think the way the reason the eyeline isn't messed up is I think they digitally just pasted what like his face onto somebody else. I think this on is a, a different, different body. Person. Yeah, 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 I don't even know, but it's fantastic looking. And because of the darkness, they can sort of hide everything else. But the excitement that David feels. When he's like, you did it. Like, it's amazing. Like, he taught him something to be, like, independent and, like... To be creative. And then him being like, you disturb people. Um, you're too human, too idiosyncratic. Uh, that's not even the impression anymore. Thinking it's for becoming yourself. too different. Yeah. Yeah. Why um, did David have, like, ancient scissors? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I, who needed to? Everybody was bald. Like, who needs That's scissors? True. There's this, like, mentoring relationship with a, a touch of eroticism to it. Then it transitions to Crudup and Daniel's at a, uh, having a fire and Crudup saying, you were right about this place. We never should have come, which I think echoes something that Shaw says to Wayland at the end of Prometheus. Oh, yeah. And then she kind of gives him a pep talk. We can't afford to lose more than what we already have. You're our leader and we need your faith. And like in another movie, I kind of <laughs> might have liked this scene. <laughs> Me but too. I honestly just wrote like meh. After yeah, yeah it did not work. It didn't hit the way it was planning to, right? And she's just there to cry. I realized watching this is like... She's got a great crying face. She's got a great crying face and she's <laughs> yeah, got yeah. that ability to do it. And so does Crudup too. But like the idea that she's like, come on, Captain. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> fucking dumb. Yeah. I don't like, I don't hate these characters. I, I, I don't like, it's, I don't wish them ill in the way I might have uh, felt towards some characters in Prometheus, but I feel very lukewarm about them. Agreed. 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 I don't, like, I, I, I think it's almost worse that I feel <sighs> nothing minimal for them. As, like, the other ones, I had excitement of hating them, but this one is just kind of sad uh and then the, we get the the description of what happened by david to walter on the planet the memory and that's cool this scene is just like oh, yeah. him i wanted more of this where it's just like carnage and the, like the the aliens there are just like waving at the ship imagine picture Instead of the oh, the man. engineers, picture predators doing this. Okay, okay, but <laughs> like, just quickly, quickly before. I mean, yes, it, it looked really cool. I liked all of the like weird aliens. I liked that we saw the like like different gender aliens. Yeah, I just I just thought that like I. I like, what kind of society do they have? Like, what is this planet? Like, I, I don't know. Are they, are they industrialized? Yeah. Like, do they have anything? Like, are they a colony? That's a weird thing. Yeah, it's like it, it maybe like they have they've a modern, achieved. beautiful spaceship in the shape of a letter C, and then like, but nothing well, else. They've achieved. They just, they've achieved the the thing that you guys wanted, which is like the ability to live harmoniously with their biosphere, with the, the yeah, energy. with their environment. I think yeah. that's that's yeah. perfectly plausible because like in in a sort of what what it would need to be for this planet 
uh, to achieve that is like we need to reduce everybody to be in things like mega cities, and then the rest of the world would have to be super super green and just like exist the way it does. Mm. Like we would have to pack in America packed in to like very tight corners in the way like Japan and China has, um, where it's like a lot of people occupying a single space with a lot more like green stuff. Well, maybe not like China, but like Japan has a lot of people in it that it, like are just like stuffed together yeah uh and like that 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 vibe is like interesting and i think that this is like a cool exploration of like that kind of thing where it's like yeah why not why wouldn't they live in like everybody like believes in whatever god they want and whatever but like when they come down and like the violence of of like sending out these horrible creatures um this like goo or whatever like it's so scary and cool it is, it is so scary and david's sad is he sad i don't well, know uh, i don't know he keeps sort of like tricking them into being like i loved shaw shaw was so awesome uh and it's like yo dude shaw fucking built your body back like you just fucking like made her like a gross goop monster but, like but remember remember the fact that like he has no access to like human morality he doesn't operate the same way we do i don't know that he feels bad about what he did to shaw like i'm sure he feels completely justified because he, he doesn't have like a conscience to like pick at him in the same way like he has this very fanciful idea of reality and he's obsessed with perfection and obsessed with creation and because he's a created organism and there's a wound around that like i think he is uh, you know his obsession with creation propels him to do these really like morally contemptible things. I want to just like note that he says an amazing line from the poem Ozymandias, where he says, look on my works, ye mighty and despair, as he's recalling, you know, his actions. And I don't know when he murders the ubermensch father god species, I kind of was like, is he just angry at his daddy? Is he taking out his frustration on discovering that his creation is an unfeeling lesser than species or is, is yeah. he because these these are the progenitors so. of humans right so they're the daddy of the daddy right yeah so exactly yeah i don't know if he's just like channeling all of his resentment towards the creator of his creators i think you're right i think that's 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 what it is also do you notice how like the ubermensch species is like so like soft now like you know whereas in prometheus they're kind of menacing and like aloof and cold and like powerful and callous, yeah. and calloused and like now you see them like in hordes and they're like cheering the arrival of one of their ships and they're it's just so like weird. a lot more benign appearing and i was like oh okay all right so <laughs> they're really there not was that definitely bad. some retconning going on <laughs> yeah. in this yeah but maybe they have personalities like maybe the 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 ones that we saw were just like the scientists and they're cold and unfeeling just, yeah. and then the planet people are just like oh hey they, they came back <laughs> <laughs> yeah the way they all get like mutated and like the grotesque death it's cool caused by the black goo is pretty cool and pretty gross byron 1818 magnificent mm -hmm. as walter finishes the poem it's cool yeah to compose something so majestic, one could die happy if one could die. Yeah. And then he, he talks about having loved Shaw. Yeah, which, like, I guess he kind of does because he did, like, actually create, like, a gravestone for her. 
Yeah, I think he did love her in his like android way, which has like no does not feel like he compromised that love by like vivisecting her, you know? So did he kill her before he killed the engineers or after? Probably, <laughs> probably, after, I think. Because he experimented on her too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. He used her to like create this like alien spoiler alert like the face hugger yeah i don't know something about like combining the dna uh, i don't know we'll get to it but i wanted to talk to you guys about that because i was very like it's cool but uh, i don't know okay let's let's we'll, just we'll get talk about it. it so so in this now he implies that he thinks david is in love with uh not david is that walter is in love with daniels and daniels is like no i mean i that's that I, I did it for duty and and david's like i know better and then you see a scene of a neomorph climbing up a wall which will lead into the following scene where rosenthal one of the crewmates she goes she finds like a beautiful botanical fountain and um she starts to like clean up her wounds because she got attacked by one of the aliens in <laughs> my the note for that here was man these engineers really knew how to live and um and she hears something and she turns around and it's just like the faceless neo neomorph and and it kills her and that's 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 the scene that floating head my god like what yeah. a choice like, yeah. it's kind of cool, but it's so disturbing. The CGI, I mean, all of the aliens are CGI in this movie, or or most of them are. And, I mean, I like them conceptually, and, like, a lot of the CGI is really good. But there are just some moments where I am I'm quite aware that it's CGI. Like, when the, the yeah. neomorph bites her and the blood spurts out, like, it's it just has a quality of, like, unrealness that... The realness... You know, I, I I miss from from the quadrilogy. Yeah, the uncanny yeah. valley. Yeah, I, I like the clicking sounds that it makes. Yeah, the clicking was so cool. The clicking was very cool. It feels a little bit more. Uh, I hesitate to say natural than than a scream or like a like a rah, rah, you know. Um, yeah. And then when David goes to interact with him and, and Billy Crudup comes out to, to try and shoot him, this scene I really liked uh, yeah. d- d- where, where David gently blows in, in <sighs> the face of, of the, the neomorph. Um, yeah. And then Billy Crudup just does the right thing and fucking murders him. <laughs> yeah, but the, in- the intensity of David's reaction when he's like, no! Yeah. His face, like, it's really great. It's such it trusted me. In, yeah, and that just goes to show, like, his alien, his alien, his android logic, his person is so like he's really operating from a very different perspective. And the difference between Billy Crudup's perspective and David's is so night and day in that moment. You know, for this android to be like, why did you kill this threatening alien? He trusted me. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the moment where Billy Crudup says he wants to know the truth. Otherwise, I'm seriously going to fuck up your perfect composure. I love that. David (laughs) casually moves, like swiftly (laughs) but casually moves away. Definitely. I loved that. Yeah. And you know that like Billy Crudup threatening him is kind of like the moment not that I think David has ill intentions absolutely towards everyone already, but the fact that like there was this moment where he's 
uh, David's talking to the alien and trying to um, coax it to trust him. And then Billy Crudup kills it. And then he threatens David that David then decides in that moment, okay, like I'm going to fuck this guy up. He's just going to decide. I'm going to expose yeah, him. You know? Punish him. Yeah. Punish him. I, yeah, like the David, the David stuff and Michael Fossbender and Walter stuff like just belongs in a better movie. That belongs in a museum. Yeah. Yeah. All these actors also belong in a better movie too. Yeah. Cause like they're, they're actually convincing a lot of, they're doing a lot of heavy lifting for bad, bad dialogue. Whereas Prometheus is so bad that even the good actors in that movie can't really, I mean, fucking again, Idris Elba, Charlize Theron, Numi Rapace, people who are really, really good, uh, just in a movie that has, doesn't have the atmosphere that this one does and doesn't have the, the quite the the level of writing that this one does, even though this is bad. Like this writing is bad almost yeah. structurally uh, as well. But like it's I it agree. has a few good lines like what my brother just mentioned uh, that like the fuck up your perfect composure. That's such a really good line and these characterizations are much more inhabitable than the the characterizations of scientists making those kinds of decisions you know what i mean so it all works yeah it all works a lot a lot a lot's better than than this um screenplay by john logan and dw harper we didn't really touch on that but john logan wrote gladiator and the aviator Hmm. fair enough Hmm. i mean these are the which, these, these are in the realm of of that uh, like that kind of stuff. I, I like that. That actually gives me a lot more context, and it actually gives me a lot more like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I see that. <laughs> it doesn't make it. It's not going to change my mind on what I'm going to give it. But no, um, no. We go into Geiger's room, uh, and we <laughs> mm-hmm. see a bunch of drawings that Geiger did that we mm. are meant to believe David did, but we all know the truth, uh, and. You know, this this weird menace of like, you know, follow me down this dark hallway. It just yes. feels a little bit like you were so careful earlier, like two seconds earlier. Like, why are you being so trusting to this guy? Like, there's a head that you saw and this guy was so clearly, you know, beaten up about like you killing yeah. this thing. Like, why are yeah. you so trusting? I don't know. It felt a little bit odd. Yeah, I I do want to say, though, I really liked David's menace in this scene. Yes. He did this thing that I think often really nefarious salespeople do when they know they're, like, fucking you over and they just give you as little information as possible. And they're like, it's fine. Just go close to it. uh, From these eggs came Paris. Like, he's just, like, saying things vaguely, but being so... Uh, smooth and inviting about it that there's this kind of like you you do get hypnotized by it and I think like I mean I've had this work on me by people who have done things like that like tried to sell me things I just felt like David was really channeling that kind of energy in this scene well I mean he's he's showing his hand because he knows that he he ultimately has these designs on Aram's character and um, so he's like yeah so I experimented and I created these things and this is my beautiful bestiary but I think it does kind of dazzle Oram because he's it's being revealed that David created these things that that this is, you know, and and yet at the same time, he's kind of entranced 
the way that he, he builds towards the eggs that he's saying like this is sort of my crowning achievement and we've just been waiting and he's like yeah. waiting for what he's like mother sisters my new mother mother uh, which is really <laughs> unnerving but then yeah like they're in this definitely like a basement dank kind of cave space and he encourages him to go over and he's like something to see <laughs> like like yeah you definitely want to look in there there's something in there for you you know yeah yeah and david's whole mad scientist persona is on full display and i loved watching when the face hugger jumps out and clasps onto orm's face david's face is watching quietly with like the light flashes on him a couple times and it reminded me of Jonesy in Alien oh, when ah. just the dispassionate observation of like a non-human entity that is not moved uh, by concern or empathy at all. Yeah. I thought the egg recreation with like the meat on top was really cool and like breaking through the satchel and then like also just the way all of the face hugger stuff I thought looked Un- unbelievable great yeah. cg if it was yeah. cg i thought it looked great it was it was I um I, I agree i think it looks really cool and it captured really the speed and the scariness that um was sort of briefly shown in the f- uh second movie uh yeah. in in aliens uh where we get the uh, 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 yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah later on we see billy crudup thinking that David is Walter and he was like, mm-hmm. not quite. Uh, and then we get our classic chest burster scene where the alien, I guess imprints on, on David <laughs> and starts Im- imitating him, like it's, doing little arms. Amazing. And they gave it's like bad. a little steam to, to, to oh, the aliens man. too. Like, but like also just like, since when is the alien like, actually just the alien but just a little body a little alien. body yeah 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 well yeah exactly like i think yeah that chalks up to it being like a proto version you know but like yeah. it's so great because like billy crudup is so like not like important in this scene like he asks david what do you believe in which is i don't know this guy's just like so like fixated on faith and stuff i know that's his only character trait. And, and david david says creation and then billy crudup goes into the like the earliest labor we've ever seen um ever and this uh, is a record they gestate in like mere minutes <laughs> these babies but <laughs> when when the, when the baby comes out like billy crudup is just there to like burst open right it's really this like actually like weirdly endearing moment where the music is soft and it's like sentimental almost and David is looking on with these like the eyes of a parent and he stands and the little crappy newborn bloody alien stands up and like spreads its crappy little alien arms he's so crappy it was like such a great bold choice for this yeah. movie it really yeah. is it really is yeah agree yeah then Walter finds the corpse of Shaw, which has been like weirdly manipulated and like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's actually, I liked it. It was really gross and scary and like, you know, disturbing to see her. Like, he did her so wrong. 
Yeah. Like she saved his life and he completely hijacked her mission. He was like, nope, we're not going to do the thing you want to <laughs> yeah. do. I'm actually going to like experiment on you and then I'm going to like do my own thing. But yeah, like she's all messed up anatomically. David is playing the, the Prometheus theme on the flute and Walter finds him in his little like lair. And, I liked um, that. David's crying and he's talking about Elizabeth, but then Walter calls him out and he's like, you released the pathogen, right? And David says, like, I was not made to serve, which is a great line. And yeah. he understands himself, right? Like, he is trapped. He's like this big personality, this innovative thinker, like a visionary in, in his own right, trapped in the um, body and, and born into the life of a servant, like, I get yeah. it. I, I love the line. When, when, when he says the line, no one understands the lonely perfection of my dreams. I wrote, <gasps> David is such a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I found perfection here. I've created it. Perfect organism. You know, yes. I can't let you leave this place. Yeah. No one will ever love you like I love you. Touches yeah. his face and begins to kiss him. The and moment we've all been waiting for. When, when I, I remember I, I watched it with Layla. And uh, did I watch it with yeah. you? Yeah, we saw it together. No, no, no. I, I, well, I'm ta- I, I definitely, I remember seeing it with you. But I don't Alex, know if it was me, yeah. you, Lee, and my brother. His name is Lee, goddammit. Or was it? I think it was me and you and maybe Lee. I don't think Malenko was there. Yeah, I, don't I don't think, think I was, there, was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but man... <laughs> Uh, like I don't know if you remember, but I was the the thing that I I think I whispered it to you, or I think I whispered it to Lee. I don't know, but I was like, oh, dude, if David kisses Walter, it's gonna make this movie amazing. And I like cheered when that happened. I loved when that happened. That's well, the best, isn't it? Kind of like. You have the Ash David and you have the Bishop David. Like, totally. You have yeah, like the, totally. the, the menacing, maybe a little bit off kilter, but very interesting android versus the like ally to humans, approachable and hospitable android. And it's like a yeah. face off between these two archetypes within the greater like aliens body of work. I like this point. So Walter asks David, like, who wrote Ozymandias? And David's like, Byron and then Walter's like nope Shelly it's such like a nerd a nerd own yeah a nerd own and then he's like if one uh what is it if one note is off it destroys the whole symphony and so um David that's that's right before David goes into like talking about his lonely uh creator perfection blah 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 and then he kisses um he kisses Walter and then he incapacitates him yeah. Really cool oh, the way like they really on, like on the, the way they did that. Too. The way we all wanted it to happen. What is he what what? Does he stab him in the neck? Yeah, he stabs, he stabs him, him a bunch neck. of times. He 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 like they have like a uh or he he like pulls out something from his mm-hmm. neck. That's yeah. sort of like the I I like how he like shut down. That was like really interesting. Yeah. Um, but then but his neck like subtly regrows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which is like because he's upgraded. Catherine Waterston comes and and finds like all the drawings and stuff of Shaw, uh, and the other guy finds Orem and sees the the face hugger and it runs like a fucking disgusting huge spider and tries to catch onto his face, <laughs> uh, and then the other guy 
cuts it and it melts this dude's face so hardcore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they did a so good disturbing. job with like letting the melting be um, like really realistic and like you know let it actually like melt through his face like it would. Oh, it was so brutal. It looks so gross. After the guy gets his face melted a little bit, the Xeno like the kind of upgraded xenomorph that has just like hatched out of crudup is now like full-size alien yeah it attacks one of the the guys one of the the soldier guys and the other guy with the melted face runs away david finds dan uh, daniels or danny and he attacks her he pins her down he says he's gonna do to her what he did to shaw and then he pins her down and he kisses her and he says is that how it's done (laughs) which is like i I feel like it's genuine like he is like is this what kissing is you know but like in such a gross way where he's like on top of her and he's an android and he's trying to kill her and then walter who is actually not incapacitated intervenes david says you're meant to be dead and walter says there have been a few updates since your day. But the way he delivers it is actually kind of great. Like, it's not quite like a one-liner, but the, the the there are, like, some really good moments between Walter and David. There are some really good, like, quotable-ish moments in this movie. Yeah, and so they start to spar. They have, like, an android fight. This part actually feels a little bit hard to talk about because so many things start happening. Yeah. It's just like a thing happens, then a thing happens. Like it it really starts losing the thread here. Yeah. David and Walter have a fight scene that's like very acrobatic and. It did look cool. It looks cool. Yeah. It did look cool. But meanwhile, Tennessee is like getting all this intel that he should get closer to the planet. And they do like this, like really arduous, like, oh, we're going to, you know, believe in you and uh, release the codes. And like, I don't know, like, you know, like, because mother won't let them go closer to the planet because it's too dangerous. It was so like, okay, guys, we get it. Like, it's a thing. Another obstacle. Cool. Yeah, we get it. Mother is my new mother, mother. <laughs> it's just to give the people on the ship something to do, you know, something to struggle with. Which is like, that's why these plot points don't feel like anything, because you do feel like they're just, they're so, it's so mechanical. It's like, okay, so what are the people on the ship doing? And what's their conflict? And what do they have to overcome? And it's like, oh, they have yeah. to get closer and it's dangerous. Oh, okay. Lope is the name of the guy with the burned face. Uh, they He rendezvous with Daniels. They run outside. She throws this like beacon onto the ground in the square to like signal to the ship people. Um, oh, the ship people are coming down in like a another kind of vehicle that they didn't think would be space worthy but it is blah 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 um and then there's the xeno i know the xenomorph uh, like is coming out of the building in the distance seeing them run towards the craft and also we see uh walter come out and run towards the craft after them i guess they're able to to get on the craft and um and they and and they, so they go into like the a compartment of the craft but Tennessee is like oh shit like the alien is on the underside like it's jumped onto Ugh. the underside and this so this part yeah, yeah. like it, it, i i actually really really this was my least favorite scene in the movie yeah because definitely. it had it's this is like the this is the the literal like jumping the shark of of the franchise because it's like 
being you're tied to the ship you're like tethered to the ship with a rope oh, and then God. you're jumping through the air and shooting and then oh it's a fake out and the aliens actually inside and it's just like okay guys okay like yeah i i, I just don't even like because like having to describe scenes like this <laughs> is so boring boring <laughs> it's so it fucking is. boring yeah. i actually feel this scene is robbed of the tension and the fear and the urgency that it might have if it wasn't set up the way it was, that she's tethered to this thing and she keeps falling off the craft while she's shooting at the alien. It's not anchored. No. In a scene with a confrontation, you need an anchor. You need to simplify, give focus, use things to amplify and draw us into these moments of tension and confrontation. But instead, like, it's really all over the place. She's all over the place. The alien's all over the place. There's no focus to it. It's just kind of a mess. And then also, of course, there is such a giveaway to me of the fact that Walter is not trying to help her. Because Walter is dedicated to her. Even if it's not love and it's duty, he's really the kind of character who who volunteers himself to support. Yeah. So the yeah. fact that he's just like left this human woman to like yes. um, fall all over the place trying to fight this xenomorph immediately already tipped me off. And, and like also the fact that he has to be told to help the guy inside with his wound. Like yeah. I need a shot. I mean, I know that they're trying to wink at us, but it's so obvious. The reveal is not a reveal. Eventually she brings out this arm, this sort of mechanical arm that traps the alien and then it squishes it. And she continues to, like, flop all over the place until she's reeled back in and comes into the compartment and they return to the ship. I just feel like they they really, I don't want to say fucked up, but, like, I mean, you know, it's just weird that, like, this is the climax of the movie and then the next climax of the movie happens. And it's just like, okay, so why Yeah, we, we have to have this? the fake like, out, right? Why, like, why this dumb scene where alien blood by the way splats onto the camera so cgi blood in this cgi environment falls onto a cgi camera but like it just it's so stupid it just feels like like what is this for who is this for would this woman survive probably not like she's at one point dangling off this thing and then runs along the ground as she's dangling to like, I guess, like at speeds, that would be insane. The thing about Ripley doing really amazing feats of heroism is that there is kind of like a build to it. With Daniels, there's no build, there's no context. She's I mean, there's also at least a reality to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like a physical reality to it. Like the physics works, you know? You know what I think? I'm just trying to imagine like the writers writing this scene, why this weird setup where she's tethered. And I think there was more backstory that she's a climber. And, and the oh, reason yeah. I think that yeah, yeah, is yeah. because like there's that climbing video of of James Franco, and then yeah. at one point Billy Crudup is like, "I'm not, I'm not free climbing right now." Like he uses a climbing metaphor about like needing to be tethered. So I'm wondering if they were like, she should use her climbing skills and like have to be strapped in and have to like belay over the sides of this moving craft. And they were like, "Cool, that'll be so cool." We're showing her skills, but th- but either scenes were cut or 
it was the kind of thing where the writers had that story in their minds, but they didn't share enough yeah. with us to set us up to be like, she can do this. She has these skills. Or I love when L- Lupe is getting like the goop put on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I thought right. that was pretty cool um, because, you know, like I feel like science technology would be goopy. Definitely. And then she's very grateful to Walter for saving her life again. And he says, it's my duty. Uh, they, they focus in on the burnt off hand. Uh, and then we get a f- uh, like a photo of the entire crew before they left. And they all look so full of promise and hope as she's making an omelet. Tennessee comes and they're like, they have this like small exchange. You took mother offline for a diagnostic, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of EM damage. And then suddenly we get um, like a reference from the first film of that like thing that drinks the water the what are those called the like those birdies oh, the, oh yeah, yeah the drinking duck yeah, drink, thing yeah. yeah drinking birds yeah whatever that's and great then i love that daniels please report to the med bay this scene like it was more impactful than it should have been in such a bad movie that's the thing is like there's so many great elements and the movie actually i think is well directed it's just a mess yeah. of like information you know what i mean it's better the directed than prometheus i think mm-hmm. yes oh, yeah. it is I agree. I agree and you see sort of like the mastery of somebody like uh, a ridley scott but just without so much of the substance so it's really jarring like it feels confusing to to the body to be like well, what is this? This should be good. But then, you know, like what's going on, mother? Like there's an alarm and there's an unidentified life form on the spaceship. And then suddenly Daniels and Tennessee are like adventure people and they have guns. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and Walter is helping them by like controlling the like doors. So this is like a huge advantage for the our heroes in the scene because they're able to communicate with um, this overseer who's like opening and closing doors and that that's a cool element to bring in it's just like so inconsequential they eventually like lead the xenomorph into the terraforming room that was set up as a Chekhov's gun in the first oh not before the alien like just kills a couple more of the crewmates when the oh the, we, we you, didn't talk about Jesse Smollett uh, shower sex scene. It, it that's it it kills them what did you guys think of like the shower sex scene it's so stupid it's, like i mean whatever. it was like oh yeah we gotta we gotta make this a it's a horror movie and it's yeah, just like exactly uh, it felt like a very very um cliche horror movie moment like mo like of like teens having sex and getting murdered basically I, I thought but i thought that was like kind of cool in the sense of like an homage like it felt it did feel heavy-handedly slasher. So I thought that, that that was kind of like maybe Ridley Scott commenting on the slasher roots of the first film. I don't know. I think so, probably. Yeah. It's just, it feels a little bit like out of place in a movie where you're trying so hard to take everything really seriously. Like, it's one thing That's to true. do this in AVP. It's another thing to be like, I've set up this entire movie and we're going to have this like like so many of our friends just died. Yeah, exactly. It's coming at the wrong point. This is the kind of scene you want to have where it's earlier in the movie and people are just having fun and they're like they're they're carefree and they're just enjoying like, you know, a sexual moment and then terror strikes. But like exactly. at this point, you know, they're like their crew has been reduced by 
over half. They've just escaped from a planet, had like these very terrifying encounters with these aliens. So it doesn't really necessarily make sense, not just like for a sex scene or a romantic scene to happen at this point in the movie, but even just like a scene where two more people die. I don't know. It's like we've had most of the people die. The fact that they find out that there's a xenomorph on board and have to hunt it, I feel like is enough. We don't that yeah. xenomorph doesn't have to go about uh, go around killing yet more people at this point for me. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So they go into the cargo hold. And they, I don't know. I, I, I find this climax even more like wah, wah than like the other one, the first one. <laughs> it just because like, you know, okay, so we're going to blow it out of the goddamn airlock again. Okay, we're going to do that by like trapping it in a giant truck. And then we're going to, and then it's going to free itself. And then we're going to, we're going to send another giant truck after it. And it's, it feels like there's nothing like meaningful. There's nothing like iconic or meaningful to hold on to. It's not like a confrontation between an alien and a human in a mecha suit. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't have that primal one against one quality. It just feels like. I don't know. It felt very similar to the first climax where it's like it's it doesn't really make sense. It's kind of messy. It's not anchored in a in a, any particular way. I don't know. What did you guys think? Like, how did you feel about it? Did you like it? Yeah, like it suffers from what Alex calls balloon physics, like just like things flying things chains i don't know i i did i really didn't like it i really didn't like it but like i i just just to like make a long story short because i just like i i want to get to like what i find more interesting which is like the part after yeah is you know like the alien basically impales itself on a falling piece of machinery and like also they've gotten rid of like most of their terraforming equipment so like <laughs> they're not going to survive anyway um so yeah it's dead she she's like help a girl out or whatever i don't know like such a stupid line didn't land it was supposed to be like it was supposed to be like really important and meaningful that she waited to the last moment to like duck out of the way for the thing to impale the alien and that yeah she's still alive and danny mcbride is like shakes his head like wow why what like why did they take a beat for that that felt so weird I don't know. It was like, I didn't care about that scene. What are you trying to do? Like, make it more important somehow? You can't make me care, man. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they, they definitely can't. Did you guys think that naming the guy Walter was a reference to Walter Hill, who Walter produced Hill, all yes, of these it movies? It was definitely um, that. No, yeah. I didn't think about that. But yeah, it makes sense. Okay. So... I like when she's being put under. Yeah. I, I thought it was effective, like her heart racing faster and the like monitor system of the um, hypersleep tube, like, you know, telling us, like giving us that kind of reveal. It, it, it was cool. It just, you know, it belonged in a better movie with a better reveal, a better, like less, you know, ham fisted. It- it 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 well it and it wasn't really a reveal you know i mean like it was no, a reveal we knew, that yeah. we already knew we already knew i mean which is not just that's not necessarily always a bad thing but i think it it definitely like undercut undercut some of the impact when yeah. you're pretty sure that it's david don't let the bed bugs bite uh, but but yeah like it it is scary like it is a terrifying feeling of claustrophobia and despair to realize that like you are now being put to sleep and your entire ship and all the colonists and your future is now like being stewarded by this like insane android that likes to like 
<laughs> likes to dismember human beings and create monsters. Like that's yeah. uh, it's really scary. And it but it also just goes to show that she is in no way the protagonist of this movie, right? Yeah. Because she's not triumphant in the end. This movie and like I I take what you're saying, Malenko, about the fact that like you know I I kind of waxed philosophical about the 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 quadrilogy being this like very feminist matriarchal story about that you cannot actually control or conquer this natural wildness that power is kneecapped by um, the assertion that those aliens are actually just the result of like human experimentation or android experimentation or some kind of like paternalistic uh, ubermensch species but i also like take what you're saying like that this is maybe tying back into the greater theme of exploitation and greed and that the way that like uh, the company is constantly like gunning for the species because it just wants to like exploit and to use and like the alien itself is a product of that kind of unhinged you know immoral uh, impetus like yeah. and and I, I do think like if you're gonna go into the prequels and you want them to be unique you do have to pivot to some extent from the from the pattern that was established in the earlier movies like sure. this is not about a uh, neo ripley's it's not about other ripley's this is about david it's about creation yeah it's about like how creation becomes maybe manipulated or perverted through the eyes of a fundamentally immoral creature i don't know like it's it is saying something different that was me just trying to be extremely generous to the movie i, I mean well, you know yeah I, I just i want to put myself in the mindset of the writers who are yeah. trying to develop this story and be like i don't know maybe they were trying to do some like they they do touch on some things it's just so underdeveloped and so yeah just uh, clumsy that it doesn't end up end up working at all but David is a very powerful character. Like, and, and even in the quadrilogy, we see these, um, we, there's an android in every single movie. You know, we talk about the alien as muse and like what it means for like, uh, what it means about a person or, or uh, an android to like admire the aliens and what that means about like their worldview and their values. And so, that's always been a part of every movie. And if it's not an android, then it's a scientist, right? Yeah. There's always somebody like obsessed in that way. So I think it's kind of fun in these movies, the way that like through the character of David, that idea, that worldview and those values gets expanded upon. And yeah. like, we're like, okay, so what does it really mean to this 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 person who is not human who doesn't have a conscience but has personality like what does creation mean to them what happens when they pursue you know that 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 wonder and that curiosity but without the confines of like integrity or morality that we see in like a character like ripley so beautifully embodied so yeah. it, it's kind of an interesting experiment and like, well, what happens when uh, a, a character like this, you know, um, is no longer tethered to human oversight? That's a great point. Can I ask you guys an honest question? Yeah. Why does stuff that gets set up in previous... Okay, I, I'm trying to think of how to word this. It feels like in these prequels, these more modern movies... 
when they try and set something up at the beginning of a movie like Richard Wagner and the gods of Valhalla, why does it feel so clumsy and so ham-fisted and so unnatural? Like movies have always used this device of like having something pay off. Why does this feel so weird and obvious and like Mm. eye-rolly? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I don't, why, why I I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what it is. Is it just that I'm more cynical or like what has changed? Uh, I think what makes it really obvious to me is the fact that you had so much of, uh, this theme be so prevalent in the first one without really anchoring anything to that theme in this one. And what you're what you see as obvious in this is obvious because it feels out of place with the rest of this movie, but feels very in place with the last movie. Right. And because it's continuing that thread and it's only a thread, it becomes even more obvious in this. Right. I don't know. I mean, like, that's just like, I can't really like. I can't reach into your mind or, or anybody else's, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, but but because that is such an obvious, it's such an obvious thing, um, it just feels like, oh, like, why is this in this movie even? Like, the Valhalla stuff only appears at the beginning and really at the end. And yes, there are things of that nature throughout, but because of the fact that like it's so prominent at the beginning at the end and also links to a different movie with a different tone and a different feel it's just like oh this doesn't feel right okay and even though it's outrageous i did like him puking up the like oh, i love it. no I, th- I didn't think that was outrageous oh, i thought I that was amazing fantastic i was hoping that we would i was like we should we have to make sure to make a point to talk about him like regurgitating <laughs> two little like baby <laughs> so uh, cool. yeah two baby face huggers um yeah so uh, I want to also add, like, I do feel a little bit like these movies don't have a soul. Yeah. Um, and by which I mean they don't, like, they don't have like a central access that we can feel and taste, like that they're that they're that they're orbiting. You know, like I don't know, like David. If 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 the movie has anything close to this to a soul, it is David, like as a character. But I don't think that's enough. Like he he his uh, his story is compelling, and his his perspective is compelling, and his behaviors are compelling. But the movie itself is not um, unified around something like as an anchor. To me. Yeah. Like, I, I'm like, yeah, I get some of the themes you're playing with. I get some of the stuff you're pointing at. Like, I get, you know, but I'm I'm getting a lot of pointing to, but I can't. Um, it's like I'm seeing a lot of fingers pointing, but I'm not seeing the moon. You know, I, like, I'm not yeah. feeling like what this, what is the central, like, luminous force that is, like, energizing mm-hmm. all of the decisions made in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think with a movie like, you know, Alien the original you do feel this 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 core and also like the mechanics of the movie like in terms of some of the storytelling elements like the dialogue um you know some of the relationship building is just really strong and in these movies prometheus especially like the relationship building is not strong so those elements that that anchor the movie that give it meaning and give it depth are like a lot weaker i think (laughs) 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly when you say when you say soul or like essence is like the the soul or essence of movies generally is the relationships in them because that's what we relate to. And when you don't like this movie kind of tries to do it, it, it did take points from the criticisms of the first film, but it just didn't flesh those points out enough. So Ridley Scott knew that he had to make a sequel that was more about the characters in the movie. And it kind of almost fakes the characterization. Right. It just like, it like focuses more on people, but it doesn't really like show any idiosyncrasies. It doesn't really show any kind of like relationship building between them. It just gives us like this, the most basic veneer it's so surface, it's so one-dimensional that like it, it, like Alex said earlier, it kind of just like, it almost was worse that I cared more, a little more about these characters. <laughs> yeah, because there's yeah. nothing to latch on to when you, uh, like when you hate something viscerally, it's like, oh, this is fun. I could hate yeah. this. It's an enjoyable <laughs> thing. But like when, when something is like almost there and then it just ends up being kind of middle of the road, you're like, it's like, ugh. Really? Okay. They, right. it, it, this movie could have been good. Like it could have been decent. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, but it's it's so weird that it's not even for like even though it's better than Prometheus, it's not even close to as good as Resurrection. Yeah. 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 Like Resurrection gave us a very unusual but comprehensive world. You know. Yeah. Like it had very strong stylistic choices to it Mm, choices that i think when you're you kind of feel like when when there's really strong stylistic choices i always feel like i'm really held like the movie knows what it is so i can rest in that i also think like this movie doesn't have i almost don't know which character to focus on like i end up focusing on david because he's the most interesting and it is about him but but and like he is like def- by default the main character but we don't see him till partway through the movie i don't even yeah. know if it's like a third in or halfway in but like there is no main character i kind of was like oh man it would have been cool if actually kareen was like the main character and mm. she was like the wife of this like somewhat like maybe like in over his head like but faithful man and like i don't know it was like i i would have loved to see her live longer and see what she would do i just thought carmen Ijogo's a- acting was so good and yeah. like so i was like i want to see more of her i want to see what happens to her now you know where does she go from here just like someone to focus on who i can follow through the story and i can live inside of their reactions a little bit more would have been really nice you know we've reached the end of (laughs) the kind of main movies we're gonna do a victory lap of the alien versus predators but i wanted to say okay so like I want to lead into kind of a little bit of a retrospective if, if I can, but I wanted to ask you guys first, what would you, how many face huggers would you give this? Mm. This is such a hard question. Um, I would give it a solid 6.5. Okay. Yeah. 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 6.5. It's the same. Like I, I have a deflated 6.5. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have uh, like 
certain feelings towards this movie. Um, Highly watchable, well-directed, great music. We didn't talk about the music. Oh, the music. Yeah, I forgot to mention. I really like the music. Layla, who was the composer? Do you know? Yeah, the composer was... Let me just find it. Come on, you son of a bitch. Okay, uh, the composer was Jed Kurzel. And he he did the Babadook. Yeah, yeah, the name sounds familiar. Cool. He did like Macbeth, Assassin's Creed, True History of the Kelly Gang. He's done a lot of movies that Michael Fassbender has been in, actually. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So, so Layla, do you, you agree with that 6.5 sentiment? Uh, yeah, I was going to say 7 out of 10. And I think it's because like I found the movie watchable. The scenes that were strong and that engrossed me. And the David and Walter stuff is so good. Even if it, yeah, it does feel a little bit like, does it belong in this movie? It has like a, an elevated art, art house feel to it sometimes, but I, I really like it. And I, I love both of those characters. I love their interaction. It, visually, it's beautiful. And, and even though I'm not a fan of CGI a lot, like it, they did a really good job. It with looks it. pretty like, great. Yeah. It, it looked really good. I was engaged with the movie. I was like, very rarely was I like scoffing or like scouting. Owling. There were just moments where I was like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, it tricks you almost yeah. at times, you know? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I, I mean, I, I'm with you guys. Like, I, I say that maybe I would give it like a, a six just because it gets docked for me for like being almost good, almost famous, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Almost famous. Definitely. But but guys, it's it's over. And it's 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 an emotional it's an emotional time because it's been quite the journey. I mean, even though even though these were bad, they're still canon. They're still a part of the lore. So what what takeaways do you have from watching this in succession and like recording these episodes so close together? I mean, I, not to put you on the spot, but just like, do, do, do either of you have any feelings about like the, the series? Like, has it, has something changed for you about how you think about it now? Like, I will say that watching Prometheus and Covenant after watching the quadrilogy, I'm struck by the fact that I think it's really hard to make a really good sci-fi movie sci-fi horror movie i think there's a lot of pressure obviously in being prequels so i want to just like cut them that slack but you know when i watch a movie like alien or aliens i'm like it's just they're just so damn good that i i think yeah maybe that's a rare thing to pull off you know and we are just so lucky that we we came up in the 80s and 90s, which was like a, a treasure trove of great action and and some really amazing science fiction. I'm just aware of like how difficult it might be to pull that off, especially when you have all the newfangled technology at your fingertips. It almost does it a disservice. Yeah, I think it does. Um, but also like I'm just I come away just feeling that the quadrilogy, especially the early earlier part of it, but all of the movies, like really withstand the test of time for me. I'm yeah, still me too, so sure. happy with them and so impressed and so moved. Absolutely. What about you, Alex? These types of movies don't really do anything to me where I'm like, oh, like, I hate this. I don't want to ever see this again. 
it just sort of feels a little bit like, oh, okay, that was, that was, I'm more excited to talk about them in relationship to the other movies than I am to like watching these, you know, like I, I don't think I ever have to see them again. Um, though I said that earlier and I was like, oh, I'm kind of excited to watch them. I think <laughs> this is a firm sort of like, I don't really care about this. Like, yeah. this is not something I, this is, I don't, it, which is a bummer because I want to, uh, but it does feel a little bit like I didn't need to see that. I'm good with the, the four <laughs> movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, I just want to say that in editing these episodes, I was really struck by Ripley, the amount of depth that we could dive into and the care with which each subsequent part that contained Ripley treated her as a character, I think definitely in, in great part due to Ripley, to, to Sigourney Weaver's uh, like production role. I don't know. It's just, it's sad to see that we don't get any of that. We get maybe a, a hint of it with David, but it's just yeah. really sad to see. Like it, it's, it, it's really, it's not necessarily that Ripley's missing from these movies, but that depth and attention yeah. to detail of character is definitely missing. And 100%. it's something that like, it's, it's a really stark contrast. Yeah. You want to see somebody like transform you want to see someone go through something and have to fucking step up and you want to live through that with them yeah. and like yeah. center your own emotional experience through their arc. That's yes. the thing. It's like, who do we focus on and where do we rest our, our attention when you're watching a movie? Like stories are ways that we like learn about ourselves. And like, it's, it's a way we, we always, to some extent we, we are, Immersion means that you are part of the story and you're, you follow that journey and you come out the other side with that character and you come away different. But yeah. if you don't know where to like anchor yourself, then it's almost like a stillbirth, you know, like you yeah. don't get to, you don't get to fully arrive. And oh yeah, this is something that I brought up to Malenko on the phone being like, shit, we never talked about this, but like, you know, literally like how the movies are all about birth. And, and when you follow a character, it is like you are passing from one state to another and there is some kind of threshold you have to pass through in a hero's journey. In the first movie, An Alien, we treat it like the birth of Rick Ripley, right? Yeah, like on yeah. a figurative level. But like the fact that Mother is about to self-destruct. If you think about a baby in a womb, that when the womb is basically going into labor, the water breaks and the womb is like trying to evacuate the baby. Yeah. And it becomes yeah. a very hostile environment. So I was like, oh, Ripley can't stay in the womb. She has to run through this long corridor that is like under like high alert. And she has to like kind of face her fear in passing this threshold to like eject herself from mother in order to be born. So like in that movie on so many levels, we're following a character through a, a birth, right? And we get to be born with her into a new reality. And yet in these movies, we are robbed of that fulfillment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's too bad, but it it, um, it gives me a deeper love and appreciation for Ripley as a character and for, yeah. um, you know, like the, the original quadrilogy. Uh, but th this was very fun. And I think like going into Alien versus Predator, I think mm -hmm. we just need to treat it as like a separate thing and also okay. a fun thing. 
Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, agree. Yeah. That's a different. It's just a different standard. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, yeah, it's offering something different. It it it's it's created for for different reasons. Absolutely, and we'll see you guys for that next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.